All right, so tonight, hopefully we will uh, conclude this, uh, the essay that we've been uh, working on from the Sif Sechayim, from Chaim Friedlander, uh, the name of which was about Sfira Saomer, is what binds together, what connects together Yetzirah Mitzrayim and Kabbalah Satora. And when we left off last week, what we uh, had mentioned was the need to recognize Hashem's hand in nature. Nature is one of those things that uh, that we take for granted, that we assume that it's going to function just by virtue of the fact that uh, that it functions. But the history of Klal Yisrael, the transition that Klal Yisrael went from the Midbar, went from their 40 years in the wilderness uh, into their the entrance into Eretz Yisrael, revolves around this idea that in the wilderness, we certainly recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand in everything, because the mud would just show up at our doorstep, and lo and behold, we had food. I think we said last week, it's sort of like being a teenager, that the food is just in the pantry, somehow magically it, it gets there. And then when they got to Eretz Yisrael, so suddenly they were going to have to work for themselves. And when they start working for themselves, so they they run the risk, potentially, of not recognizing that Hashem's hand is still an active force in what's going on. And people could easily be misled into thinking that it's their cunning and their smart and their hard work, which is generating the food which they have on their table, not recognizing that even when you go ahead and you work and you put in Ishtadlis, ultimately the success of that revolves around Hashem's presence. And then we said that the Korban Omer, the design of the Korban Omer, is to emphasize that point, is to remind us that just like in the wilderness, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave a portion of man to each person in the size of an Omer. So we get to Eretz Yisrael to remind ourselves of that. So we collectively, all of Klai Yisrael gives this Korban, this Korban Omer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as a way of driving home the point that everything is from Hashem, and even when we put in Hishtablis, and even when we uh, we have to put in effort in order to earn our keep, we have to go to work and we have to uh, perform, nonetheless, it still all is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And now we are going to, in the place where that's seen, more so than anywhere else in the world, is Eretz Yisrael. So this is one of the unique aspects of Eretz Yisrael, is the fact that there was, with the last paragraph that we had done last last week, I think it was, or two weeks, last week? Last week. The last uh, paragraph that we did last week was this idea that somebody who lives in Eretz Yisrael, so they have a close connection to God, and those who live outside of Eretz Yisrael, so it's as if they don't have a God. And it's not as if God doesn't have Hashkacha Pratis outside of Eretz Yisrael, but the what Chazal mean to emphasize over here is that the level and the degree of Hashkacha Pratis, of divine providence, which exists in Israel, is so much more powerful and so much more concentrated than anything that you would find outside of Eretz Yisrael. And that's why leaving Eretz Yisrael really severs the, uh, the, uh, the extent of the relationship. It, it weakens the, uh, the, the relationship. So this is now where we pick it up. I should probably do the share screen so you could read along with me now. And, okay, there it is. So we are uh, the section over here. So here the Sif Sechaim continues, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll try and see if we can get through all of this uh, tonight. But maybe we'll uh, some of it will, uh, will remain for next week. He says, Eretz Yisrael Mala Medes Hashkacha Pratis. So Eretz Yisrael teaches us this important lesson of Hashkacha Pratis of Divine Providence. Ulam, 
However, and this is the, the dual nature of Hashkacha Pratis in Eretz Yisrael, Ulam Mutal Aleinu Legalosa. It's there, but we need to go ahead and uncover it. We need to reveal it. So it's not like in the Midbar where HaKadosh Baruch Hu provided everything and we saw the man literally just fall from the sky by our doorstep and that was our food for the day. Here, the Hashgacha is there in the same manner, but it's not evident. You have to put on your 3D glasses or something in order to be able to see it. You have to put on your Hashgacha Pratis glasses in order to be able to see it. L'shem kach and the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the land of Israel is specifically so that we should be able to discover God's ongoing presence, even though it's a little bit behind the scenes and requires effort to see. And Korban Omer Kimavur La'el, and oh, this is where everything begins to converge together, the offering of the Korban Omer, like we mentioned, Hafkido Legaloslanu Es Hashkachas, the whole purpose is to reveal to us the divine providence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Betoch HaTeva, to see Him within nature. That's ultimately what we're trying to achieve, is we're trying to discover Him within nature, and to realize, that everything which exists in all the circumstances of our lives, everything is part of God's plan. In that recognition allows us to maintain an ongoing relationship or an ongoing presence in Eretz Yisrael. Yisrael Korban Omer, and therefore, when Klai Yisrael uh, do their part of offering the Korban Omer, which leads Umakirim Nistar, and they recognize that the success of their planting, the success of their farming that year is a hidden miracle. It's a miraculous occurrence, but it's something which God was behind, pulling the strings. And when we reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence within nature itself, so we receive Eretz Yisrael as a means, as a keli, as a utensil, to be able to further reveal Hashem's uh, nature and Hashem's presence. Uh, yeah, we'll skip a line. He says, Im chasra hachana, and in the event that we are lacking that preparation, to see the presence of God, so lo zochim uh, So then we don't merit to be able to have Eretz Yisrael as a utensil, as a uh, as a keli for service of Hashem. Or what could also happen is Eretz Yisrael could actually turn on us and it could be something which is going to work against us. Because if a person uh, develops that mistaken notion that his presence in Eretz Yisrael is due to his efforts and the land belongs to him with a small h, not a capital H, and a person begins to entertain the notion that my presence in Eretz Yisrael is due to my strength, kochi, votzam yadi, and the power of my hand. So if a person becomes so haughty that they think that they are the one who's behind it, that's where things get dangerous. And lo kach nitzna Eretz Yisrael. And the land of Israel was not given to us 
so that we should develop that attitude that it's all about me and that I'm the one who's behind all of the success. Eretz Yisrael was given to us for the opposite purpose, to be able to see Hashem's presence there. And therefore he says that we, from what we see from here is, what we learn from this is, that the bringing of the Korban Omer, its ultimate purpose is to subordinate ourselves entirely to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And once we have that dynamic in place, where we recognize that everything belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then, the last phrase, Ubeschusa zachinu l'Eretz Yisrael. Then we merit our place in Eretz Yisrael. But that's ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to uh, reach that recognition whereby we see that even with all of my efforts, success is entirely in Hashem's hand, and it's not something that I'm going to be able to generate or I'm going to be able to achieve on my own. Then he says, continues the Medrash further. He says, You should never treat this, this minor korban, the seemingly minor korban of the korban omer, never treat it lightly. Because it's one time a year, and it's made of barley, and it's something which is, uh, which uh, you know, is, doesn't come with all the sorts of fanfare and whatnot. Because shaydei mitzvah Omer, zach avram liresh ezeres kanat, because it was the mitzvah of korban omer which klai would ultimately fulfill. Thank you. So it was because of that that Avram Avinu inherited the land. So he inherited the land only because ultimately we would get a portion there. And it was with the understanding that he was going to keep the covenant. So what is, without having to, without seeing the rest of the matters? So he says, Davar Nifla Limdunu Chazal. So, so Chazal here are teaching us an amazing, amazing concept. Ma Gorim Habris So every covenant which exists between two parties, there has to be something which binds them together in that covenant. There has to be some sort of shared space or shared agreement or shared something in order for there to be a covenant. Otherwise, they could just turn their backs on each other and just ignore one another. So if there's a covenant, meaning a mutual agreement between them, there has to be something which binds them together, which connects them. And what is that? What's the, the Medrash tells us? That is Eretz Yisrael. So it's Eretz Yisrael, which goes that in constitutes the part of the covenant which binds, binds Klai Yisrael to Kodesh Baruch Hu. Okay, so then, So how do we, how does that covenant manifest itself? How does that agreement manifest itself in Eretz Yisrael? Ayudei mitzvah Omer. So it's one simple thing, seemingly a simple thing, seemingly a minor korban, but this is incredibly powerful because it's what links us together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, without that korban, so then we wouldn't have that common ground which is, which is linking us together. And that is the korban omer. Because, kasher adam oseg b'teva, so when a person is engaged in nature, engaged in regular earthly type activities, so the more, one second, Mel, if your hand, is your hand up, Mel? One second, let me just finish this thing. That the more a person is going to be engaged in nature for nature's sake, so the more he's caught in the, the net or the trap of the, uh, of the, uh, of potentially finding himself at a distance from HaKadosh Baruch because oftentimes the more one focuses on nature, the less one ends up focusing on God. If a person thinks that if I do 
X, Y, Z, if I follow a procedure to plant and to tend to the, the crops which are growing in the field, that means that I'm going to have food at the end of the season. And you believe that that's an automatic outcome from the hard work. So then that's going to drive you away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, ma'am. I can't hear you, Mel. You, 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 you're, muted, you're muted back up. Oops. I yeah. thought that what binds us to Hashem is Brit Mila. Yeah, so this is like, uh, if you look at any schmooze, anytime somebody's giving like a drasha, so in every drasha, whatever yantif you're on now, that's the most important yantif of the year. So Shavuos time, Shavuos is the most important Yantif, and then we'll get to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the most important Yantif of the year. Then we'll get to Yom Kippur, and that'll be the most important Yantif of the year. And then we get to a regular Shabbos, and Shabbos is the most important day of the year. So we have lots of most important days. It's like society nowadays when they get, when they play competitive sports. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> so how does Brit Mila fit in? Uh, so Brit Mila is... The, the, so, excellent. So brismila, in some ways, is something which binds us as individuals to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and this this communal korban of the korban Omer is something which binds us as a nation to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So there's there, 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 we we have a dual relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu on a personal level and then on a communal level. Not everybody has one of those, but okay. Yeah, well, they're connected to the mitzvah in some way or another, but yes, that's way beyond what we're discussing now. Yeah, part of the science, part of the class, the curriculum. So you say, Ma yishmeru sha'esek b'teva v'ishtadus bo lo yarchiku me'akadosh baruchu. And he says, because if a person is going to be engaged in nature, so what's going to protect him that to assure that he's not going to end up uh, relying entirely on nature and he won't be distanced by from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. El Adarab, Yikrevu Oso Elav. So what is going to keep a person tethered to HaKadosh Baruch Hu rather than getting swept away with this notion of nature and nature being in charge of everything? Rak Al Yideh, the only way to remain tethered and to not get swept away by the belief that nature runs everything is the only way to achieve that is to be able to see that hashgacha, that hakarish baruchu within nature. So it's fine. There's nothing wrong with nature. There's nothing wrong with science, as long as you understand that hakarish baruchu is the one who created those rules and who makes sure that those rules continue to function. But if you think that those laws of nature or that science is able to exist completely on its own. That's where one begins to uh, to uh, to run into trouble, and he says. And the way we go ahead and do so is once again the korban omer. So the mitzvah of korban omer is what reminds us of the fact that the korban omer, which is reminiscent of the mon, in the contrast between the mon, which was overtly uh, God, and our harvesting, which is not overtly God, it's behind the scenes God, so we, the Korban Omer reminds us of that and uh, brings those two things together in a way where we're going to be able to see that they are one and the same. So that's why they uh, they need to go together. Now, now that we see that part, so you have the Korban Omer and you have Eretz Yisrael and you have uh, um, uh, nature and seeing God and all of that. Now, he says, now he begins to piece together all of the different parts. Lamadnu yesod nifla. 
So from this, we have an amazingly important principle. And that is, Al HaKesher Sheben Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim LeKorban Omer. Now we're going to connect, right? Because we talked about A equals B, B equals C, C equals D. All of these things are equal to one another. Now we can go to the two bookends and begin to bind them together. And that is the connection between Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and the Korban Omer. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim Al Nisim Hagluyim because Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, as we all know, Pesach was not that long ago. The, the Pesach Haggadah was not that long ago. So we spend a lot of time focusing our attention in highlighting, in emphasizing the overt miracles which took place. So Limda Osanu, so those overt miracles, those undeniable miracles which we witnessed and we experienced, Limda Osanu that laid down for us the foundation of our belief in God. That number one, God is the creator of the universe. And God retains the capacity to change nature if he wants, if he wants. As we saw with the ten plagues, overturn rules of nature, laws of nature in order to do them. And therefore, and being that in Mitzrayim we experience the overt miracles, so for that reason, in those miracles were uh, taught, taught us or laid down the foundation for the these fundamental beliefs in God's existence. God is the creator and hashgacha pratis. So therefore, So that's why we have a Pesach Seder each and every year to remember these miracles. In order to drive home and to review and to make sure that we're mindful of these principles of belief. But we say, But there's another detail of this amuna, of this belief, which we need to uh, emphasize. And that is, it's not just that God has the ability to go ahead and change nature if he pleases. But rather, we have to be mindful and aware that every detail of creation is driven and is guided by God. In this last part of the lesson, the fact that Kosh Baruch Hu plays such an active role, this is what the Korban Omer drives home. And then he says, it's for this reason that we're going to go ahead and we're going to co- connect Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that's the first part of the bookend, all the way with the, the Korban Omer, and then the Shtei Lechem, which we bring on Shavuos, all of that are part of one big package, because they all have this common denominator of trying to bring to our consciousness and bring to our our awareness, the front of our mind, the fact that Kosh Baruch Hu is running everything. And that's why all of these things are intertwined with one another, because they all revolve around this exact same thing. Now, let's go ahead and get all the way to uh, Tishvuas. So that's why we have the Korban Omer on Pesach. So we bring the Korban Omer on Pesach, because Pesach and the miracles which we review on Pesach remind us of Kosh Baruch Hu's presence and the fact that he runs everything. That's with the overt miracles. And then the Korban Omer the next day reminds us of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence within nature. So it's taking it up a notch in terms of our recognition of Hashem's presence. It's easy to recognize him when he goes out and he turns nature upside down on its head. Then when we could go ahead and once we know that he's there, 
because he showed his hand and he revealed himself to the degree that he can. So once that happens, so then we could go ahead and we can begin to say, you know what? Now I see where Hashem actually was all along in this entire story. And within all of nature, I see how Hashem's presence is there and he's the one who's pulling the strings. And therefore it says, to connect these two ideas to Shavuos, to get us to Matan Torah, the Torah says, So the initial uh, command to go ahead and to count the Omer begins with this phrase, you'll count for yourself, literally means the day after Shabbos, which is why the Tzedukim, which is why those who denied Torah Shabbat, they believe that your first day of Sfiris Omer should always be on a Sunday. Because the literal meaning of Mimachras HaShabbos is the day after Shabbos. Mahu Mimachras HaShabbos, Mimachras Yantif. However, Chazal teaches us that that's not the case. Shabbos in this context does not mean Saturday. It means the day after the first day of Pesach. The day after the Pesach Seder. Madua Bachra HaTorah. Now, it's wonderful that Chazal have this, uh, this interpretation. And we're not questioning that at all. But what we do need to ask is, why did the Torah decide, uh, 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 of all places, that when it comes to Sefer HaSomer, we're going to refer to the first day of Pesach as Shabbos? Shabbos normally has a, a, a well-known meaning to it. And here, all of a sudden, the Torah uses the term Shabbos when really it means Pesach. So if it means Pesach, why not just say Pesach? It's not as if the Torah is opposed to using the name Chagamatzos or Pesach, whatever name we're going to use, but you don't have to go ahead and borrow the name Shabbos. So you say, and this is language, which we said, is a terminology which misled the Tzadukim into believing that it should always be on a Sunday. But he says that Inyan Amok Nilmad Mikan. But the truth is, is that there's a very deep idea which is being expressed over here, which is being taught over here. That there is a parallel, a common denominator between Shabbos, Saturday Shabbos, and the first day of Pesach. What is that? The common denominator between them is both of them indicate and teach that Hashem is the creator. So as we all know, every Shabbos, we begin, we begin Shabbos by Friday night's davening, and in Shmon Esrei, and then after Shmon Esrei, in Shul we say, Vayichulu. So Vayichulu, whether it's what we say in Shul, or whether it's the first paragraph that we say in Kiddush Friday night, but either way, the intent is the same, and that intent is, we want to give testimony to our recognition that God is the creator of the universe. So every Shabbos, we are reminded of the fact that Kosh Baruch Hu is the Borei Olam, Baruch finished creating all of the heavens and all of the earth and everything which is in there. So Shabbos is something which reminds us that Hashem is the creator. And the first day of Pesach also reminds us of that very same idea. Because as we mentioned, the first day of Pesach is when we review all of the miracles of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. In reviewing all of the miracles of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, also makes it clear to us Hashem is the creator, Hashem remains an active part of creation, and Hashem can overturn nature at will, which is also indicative of the fact that he's the Bailim, he is the owner, or he is the one who's in charge of everything which is nature. So when we think about God 
uh, flexing his muscles and God demonstrating to us that he is the creator. So both Shabbos as well as the first day of Pesach, both are drive home that very important idea. And then he says, yeah. and then he says that Shabbos Atzma, Higam now, as you all know, that Shabbos is, getting back to your uh, your point, Mel, that Shabbos is the most important day of the year. <laughs> because Shabbos, we actually, uh, we actually span the totality of the Jewish uh, experience. I didn't, and I didn't say Jewish history, because the truth is, is that we experience different uh, parts of our existence in different parts of Shabbos. So Friday night, what we commemorate on Shabbos by Shabbos night is Shabbos Bracious. And if you look, if you pay attention this coming week in the Shmonasres, in the Amida, which we say on Shabbos, which as you know, is always, it's unique because each time we say in Amida on Shabbos, we use a different text, right? As opposed to during the week where the Shmonasres is the same for Shachris Min Chamarev, on Shabbos, there's a Friday night Shmon Esrei, there's a Shabbos morning Shmon Esrei, there's a Musaf Shmon Esrei, there's a Mincha Shmon Esrei, and each time we say a different thing, because each one corresponds to a different part of our existence. So Friday night, the Shmon Esrei focuses on God as creator, Shabbos Bracious, the first Shabbos of all of creation. Shabbos morning, our attention is on uh, um, Yetzias Mitzrayim and Matan Torah, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu is mentioned over there. Yismach Moshe, So that's the that's the Shabbos of Shabbos morning and Shabbos by Mincha. We're already looking towards the future. We're already in Shabbos in the future era when the world reach, reaches its state of perfection. So we go from the beginning of time to Matan Torah, the beginning of Klai Yisrael, to the future time when everything is going to be set uh, aright. But Shabbos is not only Zeichel Masebereshis, it's not only commemoration of creation, it's also Zeichel Itzias Mitzrayim, it's also commemoration of the Exodus. Shenemar Bedibros Achronos, like we say in the second set of the Aseris Adubros, Shemores Yom HaShabbos, keep, observe the day of Shabbos, V'zacharta Ki'ever Yisraelitz Mitzrayim, and recall that you were a slave in Mitzrayim. So the obvious question is, so what connection is there between Shabbos and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is an event in and of itself. The Exodus is a standalone event, a standalone holiday, and we don't see anything overtly Shabbos in the Pesach story. It just, it just doesn't exist. It wasn't a significant part. Don't tell me about Shabbos Agadol, I know. But, to, but putting aside Shabbos Agadol, there's nothing overtly Shabbos about any one of those things. And yet, we make a point of saying that Shabbos is Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So why is that so? So what is the reason why on Shabbos it's necessary to recall the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim? What, what, is, what, what does Shabbos have to do with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Kaven she yitzis mitzrayim, and the answer is Kaven she yitzis mitzrayim who alimud hagali harishon bebria, because this is the first time in the history of creation, in the two thousand four hundred and forty-eight years of creation, the bora inu shakash brachu baras olam, where we actually saw Hashem play the role of the creator. Now, yes, it's true. Hashem created the first six days of creation. 
But who was around to witness that? Nobody. Nobody was there because mankind wasn't created until the end of the process. So by the time mankind, by the time Adam and Chava show up on the scene, all of creation is already completed other than them. So therefore, nobody ever witnessed the fact that God is the creator until 2,448 years later by Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. That's the first time that we actually get to see that. And that's why in the Aseris HaDibros, Hashem says, you know what? Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am Hashem your God. He does not say who created the heavens and earth. Asher bara shamayim v'aretz. Hashem says, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, Asher hotzei sicha meres Mitzrayim. I am Hashem your God who took you out of Mitzrayim. So he says, why not say that he is the creator? So he says, because Ella, Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, v'nisav, because this is the first time that mankind, or that as a nation, we had, or that people, humans, had an experience where it was patently evident to everybody that Baruch Hu is the creator of heaven and earth. So this, our entire experience of God, our entire knowledge of God and his existence, on a personal level, on an, on an experiential level, happened at Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, not by creation. And therefore, we want to go ahead and we want to emphasize that point because we need to, uh, because that's where we uh, we had the experience and that's where we could actually draw from. And he says, fascinating idea, I assume that m- many of you are familiar with this, but he says that Umuva Besar Makadoshim is brought down in many holy works, holy books, Ki Eser Makos B'Misrayim, that the ten plagues which Hashem brought in Mitzrayim, how you can neged aser sadibros, they correspond to the ten commandments, who can neged, and also they correspond to asar ma'amaru the ten utterances through which the world was created. So it's not by, we know that there's no coincidences like that, but it's not a coincidence that there's ten utterances of creation, there's ten plagues, and then aser sadibros. We got a theme of 10 going on, uh, going on over here at these very significant junctures of Jewish history. And each one of the makos, and some people may spend time on this at the Pesach Seder, but each one of the makos actually teaches us another aspect of God's presence in this universe. So it's not as if just God randomly chose 10 miracles to go ahead and pull off to show that he's in charge and to punish the Mitzrim and to, uh, to, uh, to stick it to Paro. But rather, each one of them is a shear, or each one of the, them is a semester course in and of itself. And Kamo Bibriya Sa'olam, just like in creation, the reason why Akash Baruch Hu did 10 utterances, right? Obviously, if God wants, God could do one utterance and the entire universe could come into existence. It's not as if God needed 10 utterances in order to bring the world into existence. He could bring it into existence with a single utterance, but he used 10 utterances because that lets us know, it reveals to us 10 different dimensions in 10 different facets of creation. So the same thing is going to be true of of the 10 plagues, that each one of them uh, discloses and reveals another aspect and another facet of creation. And that's why Yitzhak teaches us so many different things. And that is, 
Right. And he says, that's why, if you pay attention to the language, so that's why in Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, as God is talking about the need to take Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim and whatnot. So Akash Baruch Hu keeps driving home the message that you'll be aware, Ki ani Hashem of arts, that I am Hashem in the midst of the land. So it's not simply God says that I'm the creator and I'm in the, I'm in the Shemayim, I'm in the heavens, but I'm here in the land. I have dominion over what's happen, happening on earth or in Kamoni B'cholaretz. Paro says, as talented as you may be, as, uh, as much as science and technology advances, but at the end of the day, nothing is going to be able to compare to me in the entire land. And the idea is, so Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is another way by which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to uh, reveal to the world, is going to demonstrate to the world that he is the creator. Because only the creator could go ahead and undo what he created. And, and, uh, and, uh, but uh, a creation is not going to be able to be more powerful than the creator itself. So now he says, so this is so here we're beginning to put together these ideas. We still have to get to that last piece of uh, that last step towards Kabbalah Satara, towards the Shavuos, But that's what this last paragraph is going to teach us. So now he says, Ulafiza. So based on this, Nucha Lahosiv Hezber, we can add an additional explanation. What's the additional explanation? Madua Monim Likras Kabbalah Torah Meakravas Omer. So one of the questions that the Sif Sechaim asked at the beginning of this essay, at the beginning of this mimer, was why do we begin counting from the second day of Pesach, the day when we bring the Korban Omer? Why do we begin counting on the first day of Pesach, which is, uh, which is when we uh, observe the, uh, the Seder anyways? Why, why wait an additional day? So he says, now I can explain to you why, give you an explanation why. He is so that the, this fundamental principle, this idea, which you explained above, the, the lesson which the bringing of the Korban Omer is going to teach us, so that is an absolute necessity in order to receive the Torah. In other words, if we are going to be in a mindset if we are going to be in a mindset where we are prepared to receive the Torah, so it has to be that we're thinking about the offering of the Korban Omer. Korban Omer has to be in our consciousness, has to be in our mind for that to, to occur. And this is in line with the very famous Ramban at the end of Parsha's bow. If you ever wanted to, to talk to somebody and sound smart about things, say, oh, I just reviewed that Ramban at the end of Parsha's bow. It's amazing. All the Esodos of Amuna, all the fundamental principles of Amuna contained in that Ramban. And that's all you need to say, and then they'll take over the conversation. But you can say that, uh, that you're aware of all of that, uh, what the Ramban says. So one small snippet of what the Ramban says is, She'en la'adam chelek betoros Moshe that a person cannot have any chelik, any portion, any connection whatsoever to the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, until a person believes that all of the words of the Torah in all of the events of our lives, that everything which happens in this world at its most fundamental level is miraculous, and 
that Teva, that nature, doesn't really exist. And the Kersh Baruch Hu is the one who is going to guide the world, whether we're talking about the world on a collective level or whether we're talking about each individual, but what happens collectively to Klai Yisrael and what happens to individuals in Klai Yisrael. So one must have the fundamental belief that all of that is guided by God. He's the one who's behind all of that. And therefore, so during these days, these days referring to Sfiras Omer, referring to this part of the calendar between Pesach and Shavuos, where there's an obligation to prepare ourselves for Kabbalah Torah. So what do we need to do to get ourselves into that mindset? So the Ramban just said that a person cannot have a portion in Torah, cannot be connected to Torah, cannot be connected to Torah unless he goes ahead and believes that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, during this time where we're trying to prepare, maskirim anulat So we remind ourselves, yom yom ayudei hasfira es korban omer. So every day during these 49 days, we remind ourselves of the Korban Omer. So the reminder of the Korban Omer, it's not simply that we're counting. That's one aspect of the mitzvah is to count from day one to day 49. But it's not simply counting. The counting, or we always remember, we're counting from the Omer, which means that every day we have to be reminded and we have to be thinking and bring to our consciousness once again the idea of the Korban Omer, the fact that Hash Baruch Hu exists in all of nature. And we have to see the Korban Omer, which is God within nature. All of that is a hemshech, it's a continuation, it's the next lesson from what we saw from the overt miracles, the obvious miracles which we saw in Mitzrayim, where we, we saw in no uncertain terms that God is the creator. And we reviewed this lesson 49 times, that everything which happens in this world, without any exception whatsoever, is all part of God's doing. That is the, the, the consistent reminder, the review that we do from the first day of Pesach, when we, when we saw with our own eyes all of the miracles and all of the plagues in God's presence, and then we drive home, we get ourselves to the point where the next day we say, I'm going to bring the Korban Omer, which then reveals to me God's presence within nature. And I spend 49 days reviewing this idea that God exists within nature, and everything which we see ultimately is God. So that I now have that absorbed that lesson. I've I, I deepened that belief in, of God's presence within nature. And with that mindset, once that's brought to the forefront of my consciousness, then I'm in a position I can receive the Torah, which is what we're trying to do. Hakom Baruch Hu, everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hein Yisrael, hein And this encompasses both what happens to Klai Yisrael as a collective unit, as a cloud, and this also includes and encompasses what happens to each individual member of Klai Yisrael, that all the circumstances of his life are also coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That all of the effort that I put in, the effort itself does not generate the result. The result is generated by none other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And it's a nisayon, it's a challenge to be reminded of the fact that it's not my intellect and it's not my power and it's not my strength and it's not any of those things which brings about my success, but rather it is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ela imyasa ha-mitzvos yatslichanu scharo. So if a person does mitzvahs, so then he'll have uh, success. And if a person violates what Hashem says, so he's going to face the consequences of having violated Hashem's words. But everything ultimately is going to come from a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And like the Ramban says, and it's with this line that the Sif Sechaim finishes, Kol Yesodas HaTorah, all of the fundamental principles of the Torah, Benisim Benistarim, the hidden miracles which exist, which occurred in the time of the Torah, in which happened even in our times, all of these, everything which is happening in the universe, at the end of the day, at its very most fundamental core, is the is miraculous, and it, uh, nature does not actually exist. And this is what Yitzhiyas Ritzrayim taught us, this is what the Korban Omer goes at and uh, uh, drives home, takes to the next step when it comes to seeing God within nature. Then we spend the 49 days reviewing that lesson, realizing that Kosh Baruch Hu is there within nature and he is responsible for all the events which happen to us as a cloud and as individuals. And then finally, this puts us in a proper mindset where we could go ahead and we could receive the Torah because receiving the Torah ultimately is to bind us, is to connect us formally to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And that will happen when everything, is, uh, everything uh, comes together in that, uh, that way. And this is the, uh, the piece here from the, uh, from the, uh, from the Sif Sechaim. Hopefully, uh, some uh, additional food for thought to be able to prepare for uh, for uh, Shavuos, Hashem. And 